I got more involved in kids ministry here at Riverside, I was like, okay, this is more than just babysitting. We actually are discipling kids. Welcome to the Strategic Ministry Podcast, where we seek to help church and ministry leaders think more strategically in order to reach more people with the gospel. On today's podcast, I have the opportunity to talk to Josh Hull. Josh was born and raised in Pittsburgh. He graduated from Grove City with a BA in Biblical and Religious Studies, as well as minors in Sociology and Christian Ministry. He married his wife, Hannah, in 2020 and has been in full-time ministry for the past 11 years. Josh's desire is to see the church united in its purpose of pointing people to Jesus and specifically to see more young people passionately serving the Lord. Let's join in the conversation. So how long have you been at Riverside now? I have been at Riverside for almost eight years. Uh, It'll be seven years on staff in August. Um, Mid-August was when I came on staff six years ago, almost seven years ago, and I've been attending for almost eight years. Okay. So you're about to the point where you probably feel like you know what you're doing. Yes. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> maybe four or five more years, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's maybe double that. And then uh, then maybe I'll be one-tenth of the way to figuring out what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. It, it does seem that every year you're at the same place. Uh-huh. You, like, realize how little you thought you knew. Yes. Yeah. Yep. The only way that I've realized that I've grown is hindsight. Mm. I look back and I'm like, oh, okay. I, I did learn a few things. Maybe I do know a little bit about what I'm doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So we'll just lead out. I, I love to get these kind of stories. What's the thing that you thought going in? Maybe it was a program or a, an event or something. You were like, yes, this is going to be it. And it was, no, that was not it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, there are so many. It's hard to choose one thing. <laughs> but mm-hmm. <laughs> we used to do this thing called Winter Jam where it was just we would have a bunch of families just come in during the winter and we would hang out, have a bunch of activities and all of that stuff. And it was, it was decent. It wasn't a complete flop. But uh, the fact that it's named Winter Jam <laughs> after the concert, that was always a problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about that. <laughs> so we have a much bigger event with the same name happening around the same time. They both happen in January. Um, and so that wasn't a plus. Did and you then, ever get any, did like anyone ever show up for it? Like expecting tickets and like Crowder and (laughs) (laughs) like where's where's David Crowder? Right, is Lecrae here? Right, Lecrae. No, we never had that happen. um, Thankfully, but it was just it wasn't what we were hoping for for the winter. It's a bunch of people sitting around in the building, stuffing their face with sweets. Their kids are going stir crazy because they can't go outside. They're inside, and we would try to stuff as many activities as we could in this small space so kids are like running around running into each other all kinds of stuff so finally a few years ago we were like yeah we're done actually covid forced us to stop uh and so we put an end to that so (laughs) smart covid was good for those kind of things though wasn't it like those things that were long-standing everyone expects you to do them COVID was that great excuse to be like, oh, we could, but 
COVID. <laughs> like, darn. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, COVID hit reset for a lot of ministries in a lot of ways. And I got to imagine kids' ministry especially became not only do you have like volunteers that are probably concerned and, and probably saw it as a moment to right step out, yeah. peel away, right? Families disconnecting. I know a lot of families like through COVID, it was the no, I especially when we didn't know. Right. No, I'm not ready to bring my family. No, I'm not ready to bring my kids. So how did you stay connected with families and how did you kind of leverage COVID as that opportunity to make those changes? Yeah, yeah. So we uh, were kind of already set up for success in that area. When when I came on, um, we were using other people's curriculum and videos. And I just really had this desire to do our own stuff. Mm. It's like we know our kids. We're around them. We have two campuses. And so they don't always get to see the children's pastor at, in, at one campus if they're going to the other one. So why don't we make our own stuff, our own videos, our own curriculum so that our kids can be familiar with us and we can directly speak into things that we know that they're dealing with. And so we started recording our own RCC Kids videos is what we call them. And we do a quick lesson, have something funny in the video, go over the memory verse and all of that stuff. And so when COVID hit, and we couldn't have church anymore, it was a really easy switch for us because we were already filming, we already had all the equipment, and so we just started posting our videos on YouTube and sharing them with our parents through our Facebook page and Instagram and all of that stuff. And so families were able to connect with a medium that their kids were used to. So kids would watch at home, they would do our praise motions, and we would ask questions, they would send in answers and responses. And so that was really a big part of us being able to stay connected to our families. Um, And now we see our YouTube presence still is active. Whenever families go on vacation now, even though they're back attending, they'll watch our RCC Kids video. And there are still some families that still aren't comfortable with coming back. And so they stay connected with us that way still. Um, so it was a, that was a pretty easy switch for us when COVID hit, and we were very thankful that we already had that in the pipeline. Well, that's really cool. And I, and I don't think there are a lot of churches out there that feel like, yeah, we could make our own curriculum. And for context, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are you're, you're a multi-site church. You've yep. got two locations. You know, you're not the biggest church in the world. You're not a small no. church, but like you're not rolling in cash, right? Yeah, you, yeah. you don't have like, you know, so you're talking about making videos, but do you have like a whole production team? Nope, it's us. It is me and my counterpart. So uh, I work with a girl named Casey. And so every week we'll sit down, we'll use her iPhone and we have a little iPhone stand. We put her phone in the stand, we hit record, uh, and then we use iMovie to edit. So it's, it's very low, low cost, low production. Uh, there's no big company behind it or anything. It's just putting in the time. No, and that's great. Cause I think a lot of churches get this idea that they have to be, you know, they've got to be lifeway sized or they've got to be orange, right? Andy Stanley's break off yeah. <laughs> ministry to, to be able to do that. But you made a great point, which is, you know, your students, you know, your kids, better than Reggie Joyner does. And I like Reggie. Reggie's yeah, a good guy. Yeah. 
Um, you know, he's a long-time listener, first-time caller, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if Reggie Joyner is listening to this, please send me an email, because that would be awesome. That would be incredible. But you know them. Yeah. You're in their homes. You know their names. You know, you're, you're their pastor. Yeah, yeah. And it affords us the opportunity to do things like we're about to do this Sunday, where uh, every time we have a fifth Sunday in the month, we like to do question and response Sundays. And so the week before, we'll give the kids some time to go ahead and write their own questions that they have uh, based on what we've been learning or just questions that they have in general. And then we will build the entire lesson off of us responding to their questions. Um, and so we get questions like, how will I know who my parents are in heaven? Uh, my, one of the questions was, I have a friend who's 10 years old and their dad just passed away and none of us know how to comfort them. What do I do about that? Mm -hmm. And then we end up responding to those with all of our kids able to listen. And we'll have kids come up to us afterwards and be like, that was really helpful for me to know those things because we're dealing with this stuff in everyday life, but we don't necessarily always know the answers or feel comfortable asking. And so we're trying to build that comfortability in our students. Mm -hmm. But if we were using somebody else's curriculum, we wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity to do things like that and tailor it to what's happening with our services on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Well, and it sounds like you're hitting something that, that you and I have talked about uh, a little bit before, and it's this idea that kids' ministry is not just a holding area, mm -hmm. right? These are real people with real thoughts, real questions, an eternal destiny. Yep. Yeah, that, uh, that hits right at my heart. Uh, actually, when I was first offered the position to do kids ministry here at Riverside, I said no, because I was like, I don't want to be a babysitter. Like, that's not what I'm here for. I want to disciple people. And the way that I saw that happening was in youth ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, I have no desire to be a part of adults ministry. <laughs> and so I was like, the only way that I can disciple Fair. people is in youth ministry. <laughs> See, when kids have problems, I'm like, okay, you're a kid. You're still learning. You know, we can deal with that. When adults come in and they have issues, I'm like, you're, most of you are older than me. Yeah, right. How have you not figured this out yet? <laughs> I didn't want to be a part of something that was just holding kids in a space until their parents were ready to pick them up. And then a few months after that, the head pastor had, had come to me again and was like, hey, I know you said no to this before, but would really love if you would reconsider. And so I was like, all right, I, I want to be back in ministry. Um, I don't want to just accept this position because I'm tired of not being in ministry where I know God has called me. And so give me a three-week period to be able to pray about this. And God orchestrated different things in that three-week period that really pushed me towards kids ministry. And as I got more involved in kids ministry here at Riverside, I was like, okay, this is more than just babysitting. We actually are discipling kids and we have the opportunity to do that. And so I'm very big on treating kids as human beings. Yeah. They are humans. Yeah. And they have questions. They're going through real life things. I have always disliked the phrase that kids are resilient. Um, mm. They are. Mm -hmm. And they can handle more than we think they can, but they're not just these punching bags that hard things in life come their way and they just deal with it. What they are usually doing, if they're not talking about it openly, is they're repressing it. Mm -hmm. And those are things that will come out as they grow older and get into life and they'll have issues 
when they're adults that they're like, where did this come from? Yeah. And so we're trying to build spaces where we're treating kids like human beings. We're inviting them to ask their questions and we're trying to give open and honest responses to people that can, that can handle them. Mm -hmm. Well, and it sounds like you're trying to develop tools for these kids to use to begin processing Mm -hmm. experiences and emotions and, and things like that. And right. Learning about the gospel, like, that has an impact and it, yeah. it affects our emotions. It affects our thinking. It's right. You, you know, you have to help kids develop the tools to be able to even understand, to be able to respond to the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Cause otherwise, uh, you know, I've been throwing that. Well, this word has been thrown around a lot over the past three years. I feel like it really ramped up during COVID, but deconstruction, I think mm. that's why we see a lot of people deconstructing because they go through, they grow up in church, they hear about the gospel, they don't necessarily have the opportunity to bring their questions or doubts or things to the forefront. And so they just keep these things inside and they eventually get to a point where someone calls something out that they're like, oh, maybe my faith isn't what I thought it was. Maybe Christianity is not the thing that I, not as solid as I thought it once was, but I don't have anybody that I can go to to talk to about these things and so their world crumbles they deconstruct and they end up reconstructing to something else Mm -hmm. that is completely opposite from christianity Mm -hmm. and i truly believe and we won't know this until uh 10 15 years down the road but i think if we start to open that space up in churches more where we're inviting people to bring their doubts and their questions to the place where they ultimately should be bringing them to then they will be more likely to stick with things even when hard things come their way. Difficulties, questions that they can't answer, um, all of this stuff. If they have a place where they can work through that with people that they trust, then I think we'll see the numbers of people deconstructing away from the faith start to decrease. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's an interesting approach because, you know, if I was to characterize the average kids ministry in a church, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you call it Sunday school, whether you call it kids ministry, it's very much based on traditional education, public school kind of models where it's like, you're coming here to learn a set amount or, or, you know, specific information, right? And, And we make sure that you have these things down and then you move to the next grade and you get these things down, right? But faith is not fractions. Yes. Oh, say that again. (laughs) Yeah, right? But, you know, faith is not fractions. It's different. You can steal that. I'm definitely stealing it. Please do. (laughs) Copyright, Dave Lust Strategic Ministry, 2023. (laughs) Just had that Ricky Bobby moment, right? Yes. Like, Ricky Bobby. Right. But it's it's the reality. Like I think about this, as you know, having uh, a little kid myself. Right. How do I make room in her life for her to wrestle through those things and have big questions? And, and you know, we talk about it like I think about it this way, because I, I come from a background of student ministry as well. We talk about all the time like God is bigger than the questions our students have. Yes. Like God is not going to crumble under the questions our students have. You know, so why aren't we doing that in kids ministry? Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you pull that out because we do believe that, or we we say that we believe that God will not crumble under the questions that we ask, but then we act like he will. Mm. And so the way that we posture ourselves is, no, you're not allowed to ask that question, or why are you struggling with this, or why are you wondering about this? And we kind of ostracize people that come with these doubts and make them feel like they're other than for wondering things when really we should be inviting that. I want, if you are doubting, I want you to come to me and be able to talk about that because God is, God is bigger than Mm -hmm. the question that you're asking. He, he can handle all of that. And if Job can go to God and complain to him about all the things that happened in his life and for God to be able to come back and be like, Job, who are you? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. But I'm still God. I love you. I'm going to bless you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. If that can happen, if the psalmist can write the things where they're mm-hmm. like, God, where on earth are you? Mm-hmm. Because the seas are surrounding me. My enemies are all around. It feels like you're not there. And for them to be able to take that to God and him to respond with, I'm here. I love mm-hmm. you. I'm with you. Trust me. We've got to open up that, those spaces for people to be able to do that in a church context. Well, and I wonder if many times it's, you know, we, we trust, we know, we agree with the idea, right? God is not going to crumble under your questions, but maybe I am. Yes. Right. And, and that's where fear kind of kicks in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I wonder if, if, you know, even unintentionally, we kind of close off certain questions and certain things and and you know because we're afraid our own faith might crumble yeah yeah that is good uh i love that you put point pointed that out because that's what it was for me mm-hmm. whenever i was in a a space of life where i was shutting down people's questions it was because i was insecure about what i believed mm-hmm. i was insecure about my own faith and i was afraid of what would happen if people started questioning things would i start to question uh, what if I don't have the answer? And that's why we try to be really intentional about calling our question and response Sundays question and response, not question and answer. Because we will respond to the best of our ability, but we will not always have all the answers. And so sometimes our response is, hey, I, I don't know the answer to this, but I know that God does. And we'll, we'll figure this out together. We'll mm-hmm. search for this answer together. Well, and I love this approach because I think it sets you up for uh, an ability to journey with these kids for many, many years, yeah. right? And, and if you think about it, starting it at, you know, kind of that, you know, nursery probably not so much, yeah. but, 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 you know, that preschool age, right, that, that three, four-year-old, you've got eight years yeah. of impact with these kids before, you know, you're doing a good handoff to student ministry, you know, that's longer than they're in youth group. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I had never thought about it like that, but that's true. And it is, it truly is amazing. The questions that kids have from that young of an age, uh, I am blown away by our three-year-olds and the things that they will ask and the stuff that they pull out. Like we're, in a series right now called Citizens of Heaven. Um, And we're going through the Beatitudes and just talking about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and how that affects our lives, not just in the future, but now. And so uh, the, the questions that kids will ask about heaven and the way that we live and how we're supposed to be, it is absolutely incredible. And so it is our hope that 
as they go through kids ministry, we build that rapport with them. And then when we do the handoff to youth ministry, they still have that ability to be able to come and be comfortable with their questions, with their doubts, and stick with the faith that hopefully is the solid foundation upon which they stand. Well, that hits on something that I think is really vital, which is, you know, how does kids ministry partner with student ministry? And how does kids ministry partner with parents, right? When I think about the typical way that student ministry and kids ministry partner, it's, yeah, you steal a bunch of students for BBS week. Maybe you got one or two all-stars that help out during the regular time. You know, the youth pastor makes an appearance every so often and does something stupid. Um, (laughs) The end. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we have tried to be very, very intentional in that process. And so the way that I got connected to Riverside was through the youth ministry. I was a youth pastor before that. Uh, didn't have a mentor in my old position, and so I got connected with the youth pastor here. And so I already had deep ties to the youth ministry. And when I took over kids ministry, I was it was a natural connection because I still am in a part of the leadership for the youth group. And so when kids, when we do the handoff, when they graduate from fifth grade into sixth grade and we're taking them to junior high, we will end our services early. We both have a Wednesday night program. So our youth ministry does a junior high program. We have a kids program. We break earlier than the youth ministry does so that we and our leaders can take our fifth graders Mm. over to youth group. That's cool. Get them acclimated to that environment. And then... Uh, I uh, specifically help out with senior high. So when they graduate from junior high and come into senior high, another familiar you're back. Face. Yep, you're back <laughs> in it. Uh, and we have our young adults pastor. He also uh, serves in youth ministry. And so when they are graduating from youth ministry into young adults, they already know him. And That's so awesome. we, we try to have a seamless transition from mm-hmm. kids ristry all the way to young adults ministry. Yeah, that's a lot of really good and intentional overlap in those spaces. And, and you know, uh, I think really thinking through that well, you know, yeah. not that, that not that everyone has to do it that way, but really thinking right. about like how do we, you know, how do we not just live in these these little silos, these isolated bubbles, but yes. how do we really bring that all together is is good. It sounds like you got a great approach to that. And I love that you're doing kids ministry and student ministry on the same night because I think that engages families because like families who have middle schoolers oftentimes have elementary schoolers yeah yep and (laughs) if they don't have anywhere to take them then they're not coming to church yeah they're gonna they're gonna drop their junior higher off and then they're gonna go back home with their elementary kids and so we really have tried to be a family-oriented church we try to do a lot of family events uh, we winter jam that I talked about earlier we replaced it with the winter Olympics Ooh. and the winter Olympics is <laughs> we set up rooms all around the church with different activities for families to do and we invite the entire family teenagers and everyone that nice come and they will run around as a family do these activities and then we have some type of food afterwards it'll be a Sunday or pizza or whatever um, and we, we try to promote that family togetherness. I love that. Cause as a dad, you're peaking my interest. Cause like competition, Yes. like <laughs> our family will destroy all other families. You should see the families <laughs> and the way they run around this trip. Man, I see a side 
of some people that I never knew existed. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you're like, where? what happened to Joe? Right. Like, <laughs> Man, yeah. there were people like shoving each other out of the way and they knew each other. So it wasn't like random families coming in and like, get out. <laughs> That's good. Good advice. If you're going to assault people, make sure you know you them. You know them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there can be reconciliation right. afterwards. <laughs> But yeah, it's a great time. It really is. And, That's um, awesome. I really appreciate my counterpart, Casey, because she's very focused on the family-student connection and mm-hmm. our connection with families. And so we, since she's come on, she came on two years ago, uh, we've gotten a resource cart together for families where we will vet resources that we think are good for a family context. And we'll just put them in this cart and say, hey, if you need this, take it. Um, we, we try to give parents as much as we possibly can to help them because the reality is, is we get their kids at maximum four hours a week Yeah, and they're with them majority of the time. And so if the discipleship isn't also happening at home, then it works against what we're trying to do here. And so if we're not partnering with families, we're not doing the right thing. Yeah. And that's a great, great point and something that I think so many kids ministries and youth ministries have said right we want parents to be the disciplers of their kids discipleship Mm -hmm. in the home partnering with parents but then when it actually plays out in reality it it never actually materializes all the way right you know um I can't tell you how many you know times over the years I've seen in those those face the big like youth pastor Facebook groups right I just need to vent about these parents <laughs> right yeah. and, and like I get it you know but at the same time they're not they're not our kids they're yeah. our kids but they're not our kids yes. you know and, and I think becoming a dad drove that point home for me more than than I think I'd ever realized it before yeah yeah that's that's huge. Uh, there are things I love the perspective of parents because I'm not a parent yet. And so I feel like I'm a parent with all the kids that we have coming into kids ministry, but I'm not. And if we don't have that parent perspective, there are things that we're going to miss in the gaps because we we don't have that perspective. And so uh, you talking about becoming a dad and that changing the way that you see things, it's very important for us to have that as ministry leaders. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love that you're, you're right. You're proactive about it, right? So you're, you're vetting resources intentionally and, and giving your seal of approval. Like, yeah, we've read through this. We've looked at this. We've evaluated this. We've been thinking about this because we think about you and we think about your family. We think about your kids these are things that are helpful to you, right? You're doing events that very intentionally invite the whole family to be there, right? I love the way you're structuring your Wednesday night. So it's the younger kids and the older kids and the adults all have the ability to, maybe it's not one singular program, but they all have the ability to plug in and connect in that midweek space to get deeper into their faith. And so I love the intentionality behind the thought of, right, if we're going to be a family-focused church, right, how do we engage the whole family in student ministry, in kids' ministry, in adults' ministry, right? So you're really collaborating there. So I love that. Um, And I love that you're doing your own curriculum, 
you know, I want to do a little more of a deep dive into that because I really think it's more accessible than most people think. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so like, if you were, you know, stepping into a brand new church, you're not. You're not going anywhere. I don't want your boss. <laughs> if your boss is listening to this, he's not. I promise. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere, David. <laughs> <laughs> right? But if you were, how do you day one start moving your people? Because I think about it this way, right? There's, there's a certain level of engagement you have to get from your volunteers to do kids ministry at this deeper level. Yeah. Right. And so that's something to we can unpack. But then also, how do you move towards producing, you know, because I think the videos are great because I think kids naturally know how to engage with videos in this time. And it allows you to clean things up and present it in a very good way. Yeah. yeah. Right. So like day one, you've never done it before. How do you go from zero to here's our first month? to here's the, you know, we've got a half a year where, okay, now we're doing this, right? Every Sunday, you're in, you're out. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I think if I was going to somewhere where they use no curriculum whatsoever uh, and have no idea how to implement any of this, I probably would start out with an orange or something okay. to get the team acclimated to, this is what we're moving towards Here's how we can implement this with our kids. And then maybe after a few months or a semester, let's say September to December of doing that, start to really push the team to see what are you seeing that our kids need? What are you hearing from the lives of our kids as you interact with them and ask them questions and push them and challenge them to pray as well? And say, like, what, what things is God bringing to your mind that you think our kids need to hear? And as we start to work through those things, maybe take a Sunday each month where it's like, okay, we're writing a lesson for mm. this Sunday. Mm -hmm. What's it going to be about? Who, how are we going to implement this? What questions are we going to ask the kids? Um, and as we start to work through that model, kind of gauge and see how scalable it is to move to the next step and then start doing our own videos because we, we can see how the kids are engaging with the videos from Orange or Life Church or mm -hmm. one of those. They love those characters. Well, they know us. So mm -hmm. they're going to engage with us if we start to make our own content. And mm -hmm. so uh, start to push towards that and then get a team together, a, a <laughs> team together that is, yeah, we always have our committees and teams, right? In That's, yeah, got to. <laughs> Required. <laughs> exactly. Um, so get a team together that's really passionate about content creation and mm -hmm. maybe take a summer and just sit down and say, okay, let's pray. Let's mm -hmm. think, what are we going to do? We can achieve this and put a, put a whole curriculum together mm -hmm. and see if we can launch it that September. Well, and I love that, you, you know, one of the points you made there is that like they're engaging with these characters that, that you know, orange and that them create i forget someone has like the owl or whatever right yes yes right and, and it's very engaging and it's cute and is that but you don't need animators right your people are going to naturally engage the students in a way that that is going to be more benefit because like you said they recognize you yeah they know your face they know right? they know your voice like they're going to be excited to engage with that video without necessarily having to have the same level of, of production. Now we want to do things well. Yes, absolutely. 
Right. Like, I do. We do not have an orange budget. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who does? You know. So you don't have an animated owl in your. Not at all. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know. But I think about it like this. One of the shows that I watch with my daughter every now and then that she loves, like she loves some of the Disney stuff, right? Yeah. But my three-year-old daughter still really loves Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, mm. right? PBS, public broadcast cable, yep. one guy, a couple cameras, literally just talking to kids and illustrating something. Right, some idea. Like she loves the crayon one, and so he's just drawing on a on a pad, and she draws along with him. Yeah. Like there's something magical to that that I think the average church can capture for their kids ministry too. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. Uh, Mister Rogers is one of, if not the sole inspiration for mm-hmm. the way that we do our videos and try to teach. Um, we watched, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a documentary about his life and the mm-hmm. way that he ministered to kids and how he viewed what he was doing through broadcast television. And it is incredible. By all standards, what he did should not have succeeded. No. It is not exciting. It's not flashy. It's very boring. And he speaks in a monotone way. Yeah. Like, it is, it, it's mind-boggling. And it's the same, he walks in the same way. Yeah. And he sings the same song, and he changes his shoes, and he puts on his sweater. But, like, it pulls you in because now you know, okay, I'm watching Mr. Rogers now. Yes. Right? Even at, at, how old am I now? 36. Like, I still like, okay, I'm watching Mr. Rogers now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like your, your, te- your attention's there. Mm-hmm. And I remember one Sunday uh, we had a student helping us who had grown up through the kids' ministry and then wanted to start serving on a Sunday morning. That's awesome. And we switched the way that we did something for one of the videos. It was our transition into our memory verse portion. And I said it just ever so slightly the wrong way. Like it wasn't even, it wasn't even that big of a deviation. Yeah. It was just the slightest mistake. And she comes up to me afterwards and she was like, you did the transition wrong. <laughs> That's not how you're supposed to do it. Uh, and our kids, they get used to these uh-huh things that we continually do and they will repeat along with us and Mm -hmm. it ends up being something that if their attention starts to trail during a certain segment that part will bring them back and it'll be they'll be like oh memory verse yeah (laughs) they just know like okay i'm ready yeah Mm -hmm. Um, and so repetition and consistency is really important for Mm -hmm. kids and it like you said it doesn't have to be flashy you want it to be well done as well done as you can do it but Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be this big production well, and I think they'll sense the the care mm-hmm. and the love that's being poured into, like, we're doing this because we really do care about our kids and our families, right? We're putting this forward because you matter so much. Yeah. Yeah. You Kids don't care about how much you know until they know about how much you care. Mm-hmm. I know that's cliche. It's been used a ton, but it the more I am in ministry, the more I realize that that is true. You could have a PhD and kids don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. They have no idea how smart you are. <laughs> they just know when you're available. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most of the time they're not going to be impressed by how smart you yeah. are. <laughs> but, the, but they'll remember when you showed up. They'll remember when you cared. 
they'll remember when you were there for them to ask those kind of questions and to to help them wrestle through like those are the moments that will stick with the kids yes they remember when you make them feel value mm-hmm. and help them to know their worth in the eyes of jesus christ mm-hmm. that's one of the things that almost made me cry actually no it did make me cry there you we, go we have a kid who really struggles with self-image mm-hmm. um, and they will act out because of it and uh, when we sit them down and we talk to them they're like i i hate my name i hate mm-hmm. myself i hate who i am i'm so stupid Everybody hates me, and we will just consistently over and over again say, no, we love you. We're here for you. You're not stupid. You're very smart and intelligent. God loves you, and we try to use that positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. And one Sunday, we were talking about how, how can we hear God's voice over other voices in our lives? And this student, first grader, raised their hand. And they were like, well, we have to listen to the positive things that God is saying to us when the negative things come into our mind. And so whenever we hear these negative voices telling us all these untrue things, we have to remember the truths of God and the other truths that people have tried to speak into us. And it, I didn't cry in that moment, but I went home and I was in tears because they remember the times that we and their parents sat with them and continued to give that positive reinforcement. Well, that consistency, seeing it got through. Yeah. Right? It didn't take once, it didn't take twice, it took probably 50 times. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But it got through. Yeah. And that brings me to another thing of, like, how do we get our volunteers not only really bought in on this idea, but bought in for the long term? Because yeah. that's really what's going to make the difference with the like, because they need that kind of consistency. Because like, they don't get it a lot of other places in our world anymore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, modeling that for our the people who are serving with us is a big part of that. They have to see us doing it. But another thing, and I still struggle with this a lot, uh, is empowerment. And um, the campus pastor here where I work, I've been meeting with him weekly and he's really good at empowering people. And he's been trying to teach me this because he said, you are really good at what you do. And I know that kids love you. They know that you're consistent. They, they love coming to church, but you have to learn how to empower your volunteers to be able to do the same thing so that when you're not there, they're not like, where's Josh to be able to do this? But they know I can do this as well. And Mm -hmm. so I've been trying more and more to separate myself from situations and push other people and challenge them to go and take care of it instead of just expecting, oh, Josh will run to the (laughs) rescue. Superhero Josh is coming. (coughs) Josh has got it. He knows what to do. Yeah. Because if we're not empowering people to do that, they can see it all day long, but they will view that as the thing that you do. And so they have to be able to see it, to know how to model it, but then they have to be able to have the space to do it in their own lives and in their own way, because not everybody's the same. And so we have to cultivate the, the gifts that we see in our leaders and be able to push them in those areas. Mm-hmm. And that's great. And that's, you know, I think of it as, as right, you're, you're kind of raising the bar on the traditional idea of 
a kids ministry volunteer, mm-hmm. right? You know, when I say kids ministry volunteer, right, all of us kind of have a picture that pops to mind of, right, probably, you know, somebody's grandma, yep. right, or, 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 you know, something along those lines. And, and, like, it can be somebody's grandma, right? Nothing yeah. wrong with that. But, like, they're not babysitters, yeah. right? And that's, I think that's a big thing, too, is, like, setting that expectation, right? In the youth ministry world, we've kind of moved that way pretty consistently for the last 20 plus years. Like yes. when we're talking about like, right, we don't need warm bodies. We don't need chaperones. Mm-hmm. We need people who are going to invest in these kids. But I think many times, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think many times in many churches, kids ministry is like, no, we'll take babysitters as long as we get enough people yes. that, <laughs> right, that we can, right? John Piper famously shut down one of his kids ministry rooms because they didn't have enough volunteers. Like, yeah. Right, that is the consistent struggle of, of kids' ministry is like, how do we get people? And then if we're raising the bar, are we going to lose our volunteers? Yeah, yeah, it's a scary uh, place to be in because you, you do have to find that middle ground of how am I challenging people, but not so much that we're pushing them out of the ministry, but also... <laughs> yeah, kids' ministry is already scary <laughs> enough, Josh. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> Don't want to make it more scary. <laughs> But then how are we not keeping the bar so low that it's just anybody comes mm-hmm. in and it's the warm body approach. I just need people because if we're genuinely going to be discipling kids, it has to be with people who are genuinely bought in mm-hmm. to what we're doing and what's happening there and are passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, we need to be comfortable with having the conversation of maybe this isn't the best fit. Um, and th- those can be scary conversations, but we we should be more concerned with finding people who are the best fit to serve in certain places than we are with just having someone fill a position. Mm-hmm. And that that's so true. And, and I think when you do that, um, and I, I've you know counseled churches in this direction before, like God will raise people up. Yes, he will be faithful. And we've seen that time and time again. I uh, remember for our Wednesday night program, we call it Kids Club. We just had a period where a bunch of leaders had left. Some of them needed to. So it was a blessing from God. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. season. Uh, but then I went into this panic and I was like, oh, like we, we can't do this without yeah. people. Looking around the room and you're like, it's me yep. and me. <laughs> So I just started to pray. I was like, Lord, we, we need people. We need people bad. And I don't want to just pull anybody in. So I really am, am leaning on you to bring the right people in. And there's, there's a guy who is in our church, incredible person. He's a teacher. And mm-hmm. he turned down working in kids ministry for that reason. He was like, I'm just spent. I spend all day with kids. Mm-hmm. I do not have more to I, You're right. I'm and done. I'm I've, done. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've tried to recruit so many teachers over the years. I could probably give their rejection speech for yes, them. exactly. <laughs> They're like, my cup is empty. Yep. <laughs> I pour it all out all day. But I just, I kept thinking about it and praying about it. And I was like, I, I feel like I should call him. And so I gave him a call. And he gave me the spiel. He was like, no. Uh, you know, I just feel spent afterwards, but I'll tell you what, I'll pray about it. Oh. Two days later, he calls me back and he's like, hey, 
I really feel like God's kicking me in the tail and he's saying, you need to do this. And for the past four years, he has been one of the most incredible volunteers that we have in kids ministry. Like he will bend over backwards and do whatever we need. He brings incredible teaching experience and he tells us about apps that they use in the school system that we can start to implement here. It has been a wonderful partnership. And that's awesome. God will be faithful. If we are willing to lay what God has entrusted to us before his feet, mm-hmm. he will be faithful to see it succeed and flourish. That's a great word. And I think many times prayer is an underutilized resource when it comes time to recruit volunteers, be it for kids ministry, student ministry, whatever. Yeah. You know, we get so focused on okay, let me make my big pitch exciting from the front and get them, you're like, yeah, we're going to do this thing. And yeah. like, you know, and, and we neglect the the reality that like, no, it's God who moves, right? What Jesus tells us, right? Pray for workers. Yes, yes. Right? Not not go out and, and start recruiting workers. Not, you know, like, no, where do we start? We start by praying for workers. Yes. Absolutely. I think the biggest shift that happened in my mind when I started to pray more about the things that I was doing in ministry, which is, it sounds crazy. We're in ministry. We should be praying about it. But I just realized this is God's. This is God's. Mm. And that seems so simple. Mm. But I think, especially in American Christianity, it has become easy to view church positions as just a job or as a business or a paycheck. And so when we do that, we see it as ours. This Mm. is ours. This is what we are are doing and stewarding. But no, this is God's and Mm. he has entrusted it to us. And when we think that way, that's not like we're taking the lazy route and saying, okay, God's going to have to be the one to to take care of this. Uh, He is going to take care of it and we do our part along with him, but he's not going to let it fail. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, I think... Like when I look back on younger years in ministry, you know, there would be many times that I would answer like, yeah, I'm too busy doing ministry to be praying right now, Mm. Mm. you know, and I wonder how many leaders like just live in that space uh, of I'm too busy doing God's things to talk to God about it, (laughs) you know, Uh, and it almost feels like, no, I really only check in with the boss when something's really wrong. Yep. Because I don't want to bother. Because I got this. Yeah. Yeah. God God should be at the forefront. Mm. Prayer should not be our last resort. Mm. It should be our first resort. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he is the boss. And we need to be talking to him all the time. Because if we are not, that is the quickest road to burnout. Mm-hmm. Is when we stop investing in prayer. And we are just focused on what we are doing for the kingdom. Well, I think like if Jesus had to go pray. Right? Right. He climbed up to a mountain to pray. Right? He took, he took a journey to speak with his father. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if he is the model of how we are supposed to be living this life, then we should be praying a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, praying for ourselves, our ministries, our leaders, like just having that regular habit, I think, is something that, that will pay dividends yeah. in your ministry, you know, and, and what family isn't going to be blessed knowing that their leaders 
are praying for their kids. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We had a, uh, a volunteer take pictures of all of our kids this past semester and send them out to the entire team and just say, hey, here are all the faces that we're ministering to. You can be praying for them individually. That's awesome. And I was like, thank you, Lord, for volunteers that think that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that thought was not on my mind when I was going into the first night that we're, the first right. night that we're in. I'm like, man, I'm in that mode. Yeah. It's like, I can't talk to God because I'm, yeah. I'm doing his work. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm busy, God. I'll get yeah. to you in a minute. Yeah, you know, come on, I'm trying to do what you asked me to do. Right. Uh, and that was just a, a punch in the gut, mm-hmm. a good one. Mm-hmm. But it was like, man, they were focused on the right thing that Mm-hmm. And thank God that he brought that person to us that it's like when I'm tripping, when mm-hmm. I'm not focused where I should be, mm-hmm. there are people there who are mm-hmm. and, and can keep us on the right track. That's so good. And that's so encouraging. And that, that just speaks to like, we're always learning. Yeah. Right. The best way, if you're, if you're still here and I hope you are in 10 years, like I hope, so too. I hope it looks different. Yeah. It better look different because mm-hmm. if it doesn't, I'm holding on to some sacred cows that should mm-hmm. not be there. Well, and I think I think that's something, I think, you know, kind of rounding out our conversation here is, you know, when people ask me questions about their kids' ministry, right, and they're asking, what's the best curriculum, and how do we recruit volunteers, and how do I keep my fifth graders engaged? Like, that's those are like the top three questions yeah. that get asked. How do I keep my older kids engaged? How do I get more people to help out? And what's the right curriculum to use? And it feels like people just want to get to this place where they don't have to think about their kids' ministry anymore, mm. where it can just be settled, right? We have the right curriculum. We have enough volunteers. We kind of know what to do with fifth graders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The end. Yep. You know, and many times the thing that we figured out to do with fifth graders is we just stick them in their own ministry with sixth graders and call it something else. Yes. But then fourth graders become the problem, right? That's like whoever the oldest kid is, it's always going to be a struggle to keep them engaged, right? For for youth ministry, it's always seniors, right? But it feels like churches want answers to those questions so that it can just be settled and done and they don't have to, right? Check kids' ministry. Don't have to think about it anymore. Exactly. That, and that cannot be our approach to the way that we do things because you are always going to be thinking about kids' ministry. It just depends on where your energies are going to. Mm-hmm. And so it is good to have a proper curriculum in place and to know what's good for your kids. There is no magic curriculum out there. Amen. You have to find the one that, <laughs> or you have to figure out what's best for the kids that God has entrusted me to. There is no finding the one that's going to fix all your problems. Mm-hmm. It's going to be you and God doing the work to figure out how we're we going to minister to these kids. It's going to be you and God figuring out who are the best people to serve the kids that we have. And you will never stop thinking about kids' ministry, but you can get to a place where the ministry is running well so that you can put your brain energies to other things mm. that will be beneficial for the kids that you're ministering to. And that's a great way to look at it. And like, yeah, there is a right curriculum for you. And it might be the right curriculum this year, mm-hmm. but it might not be next year. Yeah. Depending on the kids you have. Yep. And the generation looks different, right? You're now with the tail end of Z, right? Yeah. 
Gen Zers are, are spanning kids' ministry through college ministry now, it seems like. Yeah. And you're starting to get my daughter's generation, right? Gen Alpha, I think, is the name they've been, been using on that. And yeah. they're going to be very different kids, yeah. you know, and they're going to be starting off in a different place. Like, I think about every generation that comes into our world is starting, right? It's a different starting point. Yeah. You know, the the world my daughter grows up in, like, there's, like, I have to explain what a commercial is to my kid. <laughs> because we don't have cable. We yeah. used to have, like, Disney Plus, you know, um, <laughs> which if anyone, you know, Rob, Rob Iger, if you're listening, sponsor us. Like, you know, yeah. why yeah. not? You got the money. <laughs> you're not hurting. Come on, baby. <laughs> <laughs> right? But I have to explain to her what a commercial is. Yeah. You know? And, and like, every generation is going to be different and have those different needs and, and so getting in that habit like you're talking about where yeah you've made good decisions and so now you can be in a good place to think about the kids in your ministry and how do we tweak and adjust and, and you know design it in a way that really sets them on a good path yeah yeah I think sometimes we think about ministry uh, and we're specifically talking about kids ministry as some kind of gauge that we, once we tune it to the right level, we can just leave it there and it'll be perfect. And it's, that is not the way that it is. It's more of like a thermometer mm. where it's like the temperature is going to change and we have to figure out where we need to be for the people who are in that room. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's always going to be different. We're always going to be tweaking things. It, and that's the way that it should be. I think of when Paul says, I become all things to, mm. to all people in all places. That has to be our mindset as ministers, because if it's not, if we're trying to find some specific way to do things so that we can be hands off and just leave it, it's not going to work. That's never how things are going to be. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. Josh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. If folks want to get in touch with you or have more questions, and I hope they do, what's, what's the best way for for people to reach out to connect with you. Yeah, best way is to find me on social media, Joshua Hall. Uh, you can find me under, or you can look up our uh, kids ministry page, Riverside Kids Ministry, RCC Kids, anything like that. And then if you want to connect with me over email, it is j.hall at riversideconnect.org. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. You gave me a lot to think about. So love what you're doing. Appreciate you, brother. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dave. This was a blessing. Thanks for listening. I hope it was helpful to you. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And you can always connect with us for more info at strategicmen.com.